Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where we discover the communities that are making a difference in the lives of others. Our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey. Here you will find the people that will be your guidance, that will be your inspiration, that will be there for you in support on your journey of life. Do enjoy. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Raising Your Gifted Children right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guests are Ed Peisner. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Yes, Mark Beckerman. And they've got a fantastic subject here today. They have an organization, the Organization for Social Media Safety, which unfortunately was born out of tragedy. We're going to hear that story today. But it's the they fight for every day to protect families from the dangers linked to social media. You know, social media is a wonderful gift, but if misused, like anything, it can be very, very detrimental on so many levels. The organization is a nonprofit. It's a consumer protection organization focused exclusively on social media through the advocacy, education and technology development, OFSMS, projects against all social media related dangers, including cyberbullying, hate speech, sexual harassment and human trafficking. And I know you probably think, what's that got to do with social media? One hell of a lot. So please do pay attention today. Mark serves as the CEO of the organization for social media safety and, and is a prominent national consumer protection organization and has taught social media skills to thousands of students, parents and educators across the country and developed essential social media safety legislation like Jordan's law, the nation's first law to deter social media motivated violence. And he's previously uh, served over a decade as a senior advisor, advisor to the member of Congress and California State Assembly. And I unfortunately do not have in front of me Ed's bio. But Ed, let's start off with you. Tell us a little bit about you. So we have got so everybody represented here. You got it. I'll dig in. I'll, ju I'll just jump right in for you. Uh, a little bit about me. I've been in the business world for 30 years. So that's about my, my acumen in business. Uh, I'm a dad. I'm a parent. And that's where I will begin Four years ago, my son, Jordan, he was 14 and a half years old. At the time he was walking home from school, he called me like every typical Friday and said, I'm walking home. I'm going to stop and pick up some food with my friends at the local restaurant. I'm going to watch this to the park and maybe go skateboarding and then I'll see you at home. I said, not a problem. I was home with my then 10 year old daughter. Um, I got a phone call about 20 some odd minutes later from one of Jordan's friends. They said, uh, Mr. Peiser, somebody punched Jordan. That's it. We're down here at the place, somebody punched him. So I told my daughter, I'll be back in a few minutes. I grabbed an ice pack and I hopped in my car and I went down to pick up Jordan thinking bloody nose at the best, right? Uh, at the worst. And what I came upon was like a, I, I've said this a million times, a scene from a movie. I saw an ambulance, a police car, just a, you know, a group of kids. And I knew something was wrong, obviously. I ran over to the ambulance and there was my son on a gurney, his clothes covered in blood. He was, his eyes were rolled back. I had no idea what had happened. I asked the paramedic, what's going on? They said, we need to take him now to the ER, the local ER. He's got he's bleeding in the brain. That's all we could tell you. Get out of the ambulance, follow us there. And I get close every time. Um, I, you know, went over to my car, but as I was walking towards my car, I'm like getting through these kids that were all around. And I asked some of them, what the hell happened? Explain, like, what happened? And then they pull out their phone and they said, oh, look, and they show me a video. And it's my son talking to his friend. And then you see this guy walk up behind him and just strike him as hard as he can in the head. You see Jordan's hat fly off. He hits the ground. The sound is, I can't listen to the sound anymore. It's, it's no just it just stops me in my tracks and I recorded that with my phone and I reserved that preserved that so I had it and I went to the hospital um Jordan was airlifted by helicopter to Children's Hospital Los Angeles where they could treat the injury he spent six days in the hospital with his swelling brain we 
We're talking about surgeries and cutting the skull open and drilling holes to relieve pressure and all the things you never want to talk to. No. You know, you don't want to hear as a parent. Um, we opted to go with what they said. We could leave the hematoma that's swelling in. If it stops, if it slowly absorbs, you know, it could take months for the swelling to go down, but surgery has other consequences. So we just left it in and, and um, he spent months recovering. He is... You know, still with me today, thankfully. Blessing. Big blessing. He's different. He's a, his personality is definitely different. Uh, he had some learning issues afterwards, and you know, typical brain injury-related uh, outcome. He had hearing loss because his eardrum was ruptured. Just the list goes on. Um, but thankfully, I'm able to hold him and hug him every night and yeah. say hi to him. You know, I love him. Out of that was born in the organization for social media safety. After I got home, I, I knew I needed to do something like yeah. Why are these kids looking at this video of my son? And I was on news stations and interviewing and I contacted my local assembly member to ask him, what could we do? Like, what could we do? And his chief of staff who I met at the time was Mark Berkman. Mm -hmm. So Mark and I connected at that moment, uh, consequently, Mark, this is, I got out of the hospital. He got out of the hospital six days later. So maybe within that week, I contacted Mark and, and the assembly member's office. Mark saw the video within two hours of it happening. That's that viral nature of yeah. things happening on social yeah. media. So that's sort of the, the, you know, the why, the spark. I'm going to let Mark tell you, because from there, we, uh, we did a lot in a short amount of time. I'll let yeah. Mark sort of take it from there. So, Mark, you were, you really got on board with this immediately. You know, what was it about it that really kind of, I've got to do something? Yeah, so, I mean, the attack is horrifying to mm -hmm. watch. And I mean, and, sadly, and by the way, was, was the attack purely to be filmed so that they could put it on social media? Was it, was it that the basis of it? I, so what we know of the attack is that the attacker's associate filmed it and it went on social media. So we don't have enough evidence in terms of motivation. But mm -hmm. what I'll say we were aware of in the office is that this wasn't really an isolated incident. We had an immediate sense that this was part of a, a large and growing problem. And so we did our research and we found that what, what we've come to term is social media motivated violence. Mm -hmm. And that's attacks committed for the purpose of filming them and putting them up on social media to get notoriety, to get the likes, the shares, the views. We found starting in 2006, you had about four to six of these attacks, which were then called uh, part of the knockout game where someone would try to walk up behind someone and knock them out, film it and put it on social media. So a few of those in 2006, to the point where you get to 2016, when this attack on Jordan happened, you had hundreds and thousands of these videos being viewed by millions and millions, mostly young people. Mm -hmm. uh, they, were, they were just so easy to find. We charted them out. So really exponential doubling of growth year to year. And, and unfortunately, you could still find them today. There's still hundreds and thousands of them out there. And so we drafted what came to be known as Jordan's Law, which uh, as you mentioned in the opening, it's the nation's first law to deter social media motivated violence. And we passed that in California in less than a year, which shows uh, that there was a clear awareness that this legislation was needed. Unfortunately, while we were working on Jordan's Law, it, it became very clear to Ed and me that there was no other organization serving as a consumer protection organization focused on social media, despite the fact you had this violence problem, but you also had uh, cyberbullying. Everyone knew that yes. cyberbullying and social media was growing exponentially. I had been working for years in and with the fossil sector. Human trafficking via social media was exploding there. We were coming out of the election in 2016. Propaganda and misinformation on social media was a big piece of the presidential election as we yeah. were learning. Uh, hate speech and hate speech, particularly during the presidential election as well. Millions of tweets in 2016 were sent out that were uh, racist, anti-Semitic, uh, misogynistic. And so all of these problems were happening. No one was, was protecting consumers against them with 
a focus on expertise in social media. So we started the Organization for Social Media Safety. So needed. I have done so many stories, so many shows where the cyberbullying has you know, resulted in a suicide um, or a murder or, you know, just somebody's life feeling like it's completely over. I had somebody I was going to interview the other day and she postponed because her 15 year old tried to commit suicide because of cyberbullying. And it's we've put so I mean, this is one of the things that we talk about so many on our shows is that, again, anything in the wrong hands, a car, a knife and fork, <laughs> social media, anything misused with the wrong intent can cause harm. Now, social media is a brilliant platform because it has allowed people to connect. It's allowed people to open up to people around the world. Absolutely fantastic. But there is always that element, that element of misuse. And, you know, how many people we see it in in the mass shootings, that five minutes of glory, uh, and they want to film it or they want to see themselves all over social media. Um, and as you said, you know, the last president loved it, didn't matter how controversial it was, you know, take away social media and la voila. Uh, how do we teach the consciousness to the people that this is wrong? As you said, few cases in 2006, 16, and now when we're, where we are in 21, I know that a lot of the social media platforms now, any form of violence or anything like this, they, they take away. But it's still very hard to monitor. And then, of course, you talk about the sex trade, um, you know, and sex trafficking. Again, done numerous shows on that, which is eye-opened and how they use social media to entice people in. And it's like, oh, my God, what kind of human beings are we? But the, the sad thing about social media, it's hiding behind the camera. It's hiding behind. There's no accountability. Nobody has, nobody's having to face the, their supposed enemy, their opponent. So it's really cowardly, incredibly cowardly. But why has it gained so much popularity? Is there no conscience in these people? Or do they really get caught up in the hysteria of so many likes and so much attention? Who wants to answer that one? <laughs> I mean, there, there. So our job, uh, as kind of the forefront of expertise globally in social media safety, is picking out those dynamics and learning about them and how we can best combat them. And so, I mean, you mentioned a few different dynamics there: the lack of empathy and remorse, which impacts cyberbullying, the the perpetration of a number of different crimes because you you have a screen in front of you, right? Yeah. And there's this feeling of anonymity and, and you're not able to uh, understand and see the feelings of, of someone else. So that plays into cyberbullying and harassment and hate speech. Uh, obviously the, the abilities that so-called professional human traffickers have through social media and understanding how those work. We actually, so we take a classic consumer protection approach. So we do, again, as you mentioned at the top, we do three different, we have three different departments uh, and those working together are how we're going to advance towards safer social media. So that's advocacy work. So making sure that our public policies are keeping pace with the changes we're seeing in social media, because thus far they have not been. So we're working on that. Uh, technology development. So making sure that we have third party apps that are providing real-time protection against any and all of these dangers, social media related dangers. And then education, which is a big piece working in conjunction with the other two, raising awareness among the public and particularly our youth among the various dangers, because not all of these are clear or most of them are not even very well understood by mm. adults, let alone our students, and teaching how to most appropriately either respond to these dangers when, when children come across them or avoid them altogether. So those three working together are, are essential. You know, when, when you had the schoolyard bully, right? You, you know, okay, they caught you around the corner, but there was at least a little accountability, um, although sometimes not straight away. But as I said, the cyberbullying is the, the coward's way out because, you know, they're, they're posting it. Um, and it kind of really makes you question, you know, I have a, a whole series going to be going out called the Forgotten Children series. Um, and it's, it is about raising our children um, and where we're going wrong. 
You know, why have we got so many incarcerated? Why is 70% of our foster children in incarceration? You know, take children away from the parents. How about we help the parents be parents? Um, you know, the, the neighborhoods that they're in and um, place value and importance on our children right at the beginning, you know, right from the time of conception uh, and what, not wait for them to be dysfunctional and then know what to do with it. So there's so much that we really have to look at right now that we've leaped so far ahead in technology, but the consciousness seems to be so far behind. And I don't understand these people who do this and they're on camera. The cops have got you on camera now. You've committed a crime. And yet you're still out there bragging about it and sharing it on social media. Are you that dumb? You know, that's really the question. I mean, Ed, you must have asked that one. Uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. I mean, I, again, for me, it was, I was more taken back as to how could a child film another child get injured like that? It, like, be aware of it. By yes. the way, it wasn't an accidental filming. <coughs> this person stood back there watching the person. And posted it. So and, it was and intense. Then, and then share yeah. it. And then the other people, you know, becoming a mark. You know, we talk about this, these digital bystanders where they're just yes. looking into this world and then they swipe past it and moving on to the next one. Mm -hmm. So it's that lack of empathy, that lack of yeah. remorse that has been, you know, exacerbated by social media. Yeah, and, and it hasn't helped in the last four years of so much hate mongering going on because it gave permission. It gave permission to people for, to, well, he could do it, we could do it. And really, quite honestly, no one could do it. Nobody is above the accountability of it. But I want to talk about the sex trade. Um, again, I've done a few shows that have opened up my eyes and just been horrific. Um, of what was it a few years ago, I think 2016, I had somebody on the air and she was saying that the sex industry around the world, um, and this is sex trafficking and, and sex trade and everything, was $150 billion a year trade. And I'm sure that's just conservative now. You know, the numbers must be much higher. And it's like, well, if it's that such higher trade, why are we not looking at the root of the problem? Why is there such a need for this trade? And for it to go in the deep dark web and be so underground and have professionals entice people on through social media, it's a sickness that we need to not just look at the surface, but deep dive. Mark, you must have seen, seen this. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's on the deep dark web. It's operating out in the open on social mm. media. Uh, it's operating uh, on, on other social, uh, on uh, sites that, that we're all aware of too. So, so it's not hidden. And what social media has done is 15 years ago, traffickers were confined to specific geographic areas really. Mm -hmm. And social media has allowed their reach really to be national and, and global and they could target children anywhere. And they, and they do and they're targeting them on platforms, uh, gaming platforms like Fortnite that we yeah. consider social media. Uh, going after kids, they they pose as another fourteen or fifteen year old, build up a relationship, groom them, and then get them to meet them somewhere where the children are abducted. And it doesn't matter how much you say to your children, don't go. <laughs> and I don't know what it is in the fish hook of these people, but they manage to bring people in. Like uh, one of the stories that one woman who works in um, in this in this trade, she was saying, a rich girl complaining that a mum wouldn't let her have her ears pierced. And a guy around it said, hey, my friend will do it for free, right? And they're either taking them because they can get a high market for them or it's for, um, um, gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, to get money for them. Um, it, it does, everybody thinks it's just the runaways or the drug addicts or the, the, the children that are left at home all the time. No, they hit everybody everybody and they have an agenda and a price tag on everyone and what they're, they're kind of trained to hitting the weakness of the child right yes no they they, they have algorithms that serve yeah. for, for kids that have put vulnerabilities up 
into the world of social media so they can target those children and build relationships. The one thing I would counter though is that it does matter how many times you say don't don't do that or don't mm -hmm. meet with people you don't know on social media. The repetition. So there and this is a good point, good time to get into our our macro level or our bird's eye view of what we recommend to parents. And that's mm. thinking about three different activities when it comes to social media safety, when you let your child into the world of social media. That's one, the conversations that you should be having with your child. So defining these dangers, including trafficking, that there are bad people on social media that want to get you alone to, to take advantage in some way or abduct. Um, and then two, setting your social media safety rules. So put them in writing, put them in a public place, make sure that they're clear of what you want your child to do in specific circumstances every time, what you want them to do every time they're using social media. And then calibrating the settings on your devices and apps to the most appropriate safety level for your child. So for a lot of children, that means maximizing the privacy settings, making yeah. sure that people they don't know can't communicate with them on platforms like Fortnite. And so those three together uh, are going to have a big effect in terms of keeping your child safe from dangers like trafficking. And trafficking, which is the worst case scenario, is really one of the easiest ones to prevent by following some very simple guidelines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it's also kind of when walking home, right? Don't don't walk uh, singularly walk in numbers and if somebody says they've lost their dog and they've got a white van run <laughs> yep. make a lot of noise right exactly, so, exactly. same know, concepts though we, yeah. we when we grew up we you know those were the points yes. that that our parents really um instilled in us over and over again when we went to the mall or something now imagine your kid is going to the mall for six or seven hours a day where e each of the stores is a trafficker, a drug dealer, yeah. uh, someone who's hurling hate speech. That yes. is, so the dangers have increased. The amount of time that our children are exposed to those dangers has increased. So our need to take a comprehensive approach to safety is so much more important. Now, what happens to you know the, the high school kid who's been filmed innocently doing something or you know someone's beating them up or teasing them or flip their skirt you know whatever um i mean my daughter was horribly bullied at school and this was not you know phones didn't have the cameras and things on it at that time but i mean it certainly left a scar you know then they go and post it on social media and they they feel mortified they feel so embarrassed they you know and you you see it an awful lot with getting girls or guys drunk raping them and putting it up there there's been a few suicides attached to that it's like they may have taken all their precautions you know on their own side but how do you how do they protect themselves from that and where is the accountability i mean do the police have accountability if they see someone on that camera can they go after them i mean what's the recourse there i so in terms of accountability it depends on on the facts of each specific circumstance, what what jurisdiction you're in, what state you're in. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of protecting your child, if they're a victim in that way of being filmed while someone is harassing or committing some other crime, uh, there's only so much as, as parents we can do within our with our specific children, our specific family unit. That's why the Organization for Social Media Safety exists. As I mentioned, it's it's our three departments. It's making sure that we're keeping public policy at a level where we're going to deter a lot of these, uh, this type of activity, this type of behavior, that we're putting pressure on social media platforms, which we're doing now in big ways to make sure that they're making their platforms as safe as possible, that they're removing uh, unsafe yeah. content as quickly as possible, which, which very few of them are doing right now. Uh, and tech development. So we work with uh, software companies like, like Bark that can enhance safety. It's a third party safety software tool that can enhance safety for children that parents can choose to use. So it's, it's all of those pieces working together. Yeah. 
I mean, it's not just kids, is it? You know, you've you've gotten social media, you've got awful, you know, cyberbullying again, hiding behind the camera or hiding behind um, the computer or the phone, uh, and just the slander, the things that you wouldn't say to someone's face, face to face, because you don't have the guts, right? But you get out there and and you see such hate rhetoric. And you see this so much on social media. And, uh, you know, I keep telling everybody, everything is an algorithm. You know, we're an algorithm. If you don't respond to it and you don't feed it, they're not being fed. They're not going to grow. So don't respond to it. Just delete the message. If I see something hateful like that, I delete it because it's not a part of my algorithm and I'm not going to tolerate it. Uh, we can do that. Um, but, it, you know, it's a little that we can do, but it, we have to be very, very mindful because even sarcasm, your sarcasm may be something that, I'm British, we have a lot of sarcasm, right? And it can be Dry sarcasm's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it depends on who's listening, reading and listening to it. But, you know, it's, and we're in very much a state right now of, of political correctness, you know, uh, with, with Black Lives Matter, with Women's Lives Matters, with All Lives Matters. We're, we're in that phase at the present moment of what do I say? Am I okay to say it? And a lot of people are kind of in a new verbiage and it's like uh, let us not condemn those people if they do say something out of out of sorts rather educate them and correct them but the last thing we need is a pile of hate on them and social media as I said can be fantastic but the hate rhetoric is something that is so damning not just to children but to everyone you must have seen this Ed afterwards I mean you probably had an awful lot of people come forward with with sympathy and support, but did you have any negative reaction as well? Yeah, Mark knows, I could tell by the look on his face. Um, we did a lot of interviews on a lot of different news stations, TV shows. I did have a lot of support. You know, the papers wrote about the story because we were so connected to Mark's office. We got a lot of publicity here locally and, and nationally. So there was a lot of support parents supporting but there was a lot of hate mm. and Why? it shocked me yeah it shocked me to my core some of the things people could say about my son who could have died yes you know he was an innocent he was just standing there talking to somebody and someone punched him they cracked his skull i mean he had a, a fracture in his skull and there were things like your son can't take a punch and I was just, you know, I, I think it was Mark or somebody in his office, somebody said, don't ever read the comments. No. Don't go there. Mm -hmm. And it's because they have the ability to just type anything hiding behind a camera, yeah. you know, the digital warrior there, you know, the keyboard coward, and they could say anything they want. And it means nothing to them. There's no remorse. There's no connection. They just move on. So, yeah, I saw it all. Yeah. It's kind of hard, isn't it? Because no matter what security you come up with today, there's somebody, some sort of either hacker or, or other person that's looking their way around it. And so that cybersecurity is constantly, you, you can't sit and be complacent on any day, can you? Because, you know, you've got somebody else that's coming up that's going to break that code and find their way in. And, it, you know, it means that it needs to be updated all the time. You're constantly looking at ways to upgrade because uh, it has become such a pandemic of its own. And, you know, and uh, being around the pandemic with so many people having so much time on their hands and then getting frustrated and then angry. And we're seeing right now, you know, out there in public, like on buses and on trains and things like this, on planes, you know, people picking fights and, and it, it's like there are healthier ways to get rid of your frustration than anger. But I think we're, we're going, we're in that little anger phase right now where people who don't know how to use, you know, spend it or release it, they, they're using their anger on other people. Have you seen an increase through the pandemic of more bullying and, you know, more cyber anything that's negative mark yeah well what's terrifying is that we're in a bit of a statistical black hole right now coming out of the pandemic and so we are concerned that across the board we are going to see verified increases in in all the dangers that we work in from work with from cyberbullying to trafficking to 
to hate speech, initial studies do show, and they're very preliminary, but do show a significant increase. We've, one, one company did a study on and found a 70% increase during the pandemic in wow. cyberbullying. And so you hit the nail on the head in the sense that we have uh, all been cooped up for a year plus, uh, particularly our children, our teens and our tweens have not been practicing their social skills mm -hmm. as much as they would have. So now everyone's gonna be released back into society in a sense or back into school and we're going to see that play out over and confronted with all these issues that that we haven't dealt with for a year plus and we're going to see that play out in social media and we're already starting to see preliminary evidence of it we're concerned it's going to be a longer lasting phenomena here and we're dealing with an increased risk uh in on multiple fronts mm. yeah and it was interesting because um we already know there was already a problem with you know the phones and the kids being on it all the time but now they're actually can get out amongst their friends and talk and hang out and play they're on their phones they don't know how to communicate with each other other than through their phones and yeah. it's like this is serious folks this is serious these are the people that are going to rule your country <laughs> rule the world down the road you know uh, you know never mind the the sex trafficking or the bullying or the uh, anything else or the hate mongering and the violence on there we've got that detachment going on through through cyber you know through social media of um everything is 140 characters or you know a few moments of hate or something like that and it's like people have forgotten how to communicate how to converse yeah. and this this in itself i think is is a problem yeah and, and there's there are some studies that show correlations that bear that out in terms of mental health too we found or that one study found that that teens that are on social media for five hours a day are 70% more likely to have suicidal thoughts or take suicidal action as compared to those on social media for an hour a day. So mm -hmm. there's some really disturbing correlations out there. And obviously the, the theories are, are pretty clear as to why. I mean, if, if your child is on social media for five plus hours a day, they're not engaging in normal social interaction. They're swapping out healthy activities and and Ed talks about this a lot when he goes to schools across the country, there's a reality distortion effect mm. where we are seeing edited photos and curated photos and just everyone's uh, successes or best five seconds at an otherwise boring party. And it's, it's distorting everyone's view of what reality actually is. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Ed, you can talk about that. Um, uh, it, it's, it is an illusion that they're living right and we, we already have so much disillusionment out there that this is the last thing that we need and uh, you know um again I, I use social media it's it's been great supporter for me but it is what i put out is what i expect to get back right um when you've also got so many people well i've got five thousand likes well i've got ten thousand likes and uh, i'm more popular than you and it's like comparison 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 and that comparison could be so deadly you know because it immediately makes a person feel less than and this is what that competitiveness is going on on social media or everybody trying to one-up each other or get more likes or get more attention and is that because they're lacking it at home or is it because social media has got their claws into them and they just don't know how to to break free ed there's they don't know how to break free and it's because social media is addictive yes right it, it is addictive the social media companies have used some of the smartest brains in the industry and MRI machines to look into the brains, to look at what creates these little bursts of dopamine, to program their apps, to deliver that burst of dopamine, just like you get from drugs or alcohol yeah. or smoking. Yeah, it's same an addictive, yeah. it's pulling the slot machine handle, you feel that little burst, so you need to go back for more. They do it in the apps and our children are addicted. They are addicted to these apps. They don't realize they are, but they are. We, we know they are. Yes. And you know, we have to fight that addiction. We have to help them. You said something. I, I was in an interview this morning, and you, you reminded me of what I said. Somebody said, well, what about when you upgrade the phone? I said, listen, everybody's all about upgrading phones. Every two years, you got to upgrade the phone, yeah. upgrade the phone, upgrade the phone. Try upgrading your parenting lesson plan for your kids mm -hmm. every two years. Maybe upgrade the conversations you have with them. 
upgrade the rules you're setting with them. Instead of upgrading the phone every two years, maybe we should go back and, and upgrade how we parent our kids. Life has changed yes. since these smartphones have come into our lives. You cannot parent the same way anymore. You have to make a change. You know, our kids are addicted to this. So we have to help them break free of that. We have to do our job as parents. Yeah. But it's new to us. Mark says this too. And it's new to us. This is brand new. It started in 2006 or seven, Mark, I think it was a real mass introduction of the Six. smartphone. Six. Facebook, smartphone. Right. Mm. This is brand new. Yeah. And our kids are just, they're, they're pawns. You know, they're, they're, their well, time is monetized. It's like the stuff they put in cigarettes you know, to, to make people addictive. And it's, you know, um, marketing is always geared at hitting that addictive nature in you. I've got to have it. I've got to have it. I've got to have it. And, you know, now what you're seeing on social media is where you didn't used to see it before. Now it's become a shop. And, you know, the moment they see you look at something, next thing you know, you have a blast of that thing on, you know, from everybody. And it's like here you're wanting to kind of follow some interesting conversations and things like this. And it's, you know, one sales pitch after another. And it's uh, it has it's lost its sociability in being a social platform and become a marketing platform. And so now you've got the other side of things with kids and parents feel they've got to have it they feel they've got to have it you know the it's it speaks to me I've got to buy it I've got to buy it and so now you're running into that other problem right there and I don't know how you manage to keep up Mark because you know every single day there is a new thing on social media that you've got to tackle you know in bringing awareness or you know with the algorithms or anything else because it's it's become an affront and in our faces and uh, malls are, are closing. I want, I want them to go back to the malls with their friends, you know, hang out, have an ice cream, do a bit of shopping, have some fun, get off the damn phone, get off the social media, right? Have that conversation. But how do you keep up with it, Mark? Well, I, we keep up because we've, we've very, very carefully constructed and planned an infrastructure that allows us to get ahead of or, or be at the same pace as these changes and understand the dynamics and how in the commonalities between the different dangers that are present on social media. And then everything that we do programmatically also brings education experience back into our organization that then we use to, to bolster our programming and our understanding. So when we are advocating, we're working uh, with the CEOs of the top companies and the top legislatures and the top technologists. When we are educating, we are working uh, with students and parents across the country and getting grassroots understanding uh, at, at major levels. And we're able to collect a significant amount of, of anonymous data that allows us to stay at the forefront of what kids are doing. And then when yeah. we work on tech development, we're able to uh, better understand how uh, third party companies are solving these problems technologically and what issues the social media companies are putting up to, to block efforts. So it's everything that we've designed to put together to help us stay at the forefront of these issues. Social media is not going away. And as I said, it has its good parts. It's a question of how it's used. Uh, to say I'm not going to be on social media and I ban my kids from it altogether is unrealistic because they'll go and get on it with their friends. Right. Um, it's uh, as with anything with with children, it's teaching them the art of safety. Right. And if you teach them right from the word go, um, you know, yes, I want to see who this person is that you've just friended. I actually will not friend anyone. You know, we get plenty of it every day. I go to their about. I look at their pictures and if it's all about them and there's nothing in the about, I know that it's a hacked account or false, false image, right? And I'm not going to friend them at all. I want to see some content about you. I want to see what you're about before I'm going to press any like or connection there. And I think that's something we could teach our kids. Don't just carte blanche and eat everything on the smokers board, you know, be discerning of what, of whom you're going to be talking to. We're not going to get social media away. It's there in the future, but how we can use it and for them to actually understand there is a responsibility on how they use it. And we, we're seeing babies holding phones. You know, there's, there's a video of a kid where mom takes the phone away from the kid and it has a complete conniption. 
And it's like already, right? And and it's they've already proven that very, very young children in front of the screen, it's extremely bad for them, for their brain waves and development and everything else. So again, as you said, the time period that they're on it, what age do they start? Um, question who it is they're friending, and maybe you as a parent can have a look at that person. Is it somebody appropriate? And there is no going to meet anyone. And if somebody does live around the corner, then we get the parents together with the kid, right? So it is putting a lot of onus on the parents. And this is a new form of, you know, I used to take my pram and walk it up and down the street or go on my bicycle. And, you know, we didn't, we, the, our safety of being snatched was so little back in those days. And now we want to keep our eyes on the kids in the, in the backyard or the front yard in case someone comes to get them. We're living in that kind of world. And so the best defense we can do is teach our children to be aware of it, to listen to the hairs on the back of their neck, and also what to put out and also what to receive. And if we teach them that very young, then we're not going to have so many kids being hooked in by the illusion of it. But I think the real education starts with the parents, doesn't it? Teaching the parents how to navigate this. Well, I, I, that's a wonderful segue into letting your listeners know about our free uh, course for parents on our website, which as far as we know, is the only resource out there like it, which is a comprehensive lesson plan for parents on the three activities that I mentioned earlier. What conversations to have with your child around social media safety? Mm -hmm. And we have a full checklist for parents there as well. What rules to set? We've got a full template there and then a tutorial on how to how to set those settings so what we realized when we started this work is that as, as we mentioned a few times during this conversation that social media was new parents didn't know how to keep their their children safe on social right. media and so that led to hunting and pecking around the internet for a tip here a tip there or relying on the uh the parent rumor mill and so we realized that we needed a system for parents when you go and you take a flight, your pilot has a checklist yes. organized by the foremost experts from you know, research and experience. And they go through that checklist one by one before you fly to make sure that your flight is safe. So we did the same thing here. We put everything together in one place as a system for parents. And that's what we need because as you, as you just mentioned, there's so many dangers out there uh, when it comes to social media, they're serious. Some of them are actually quite common. Parents need to take these steps to protect their children on social media. As you also mentioned, for a lot of families and a lot of communities, it's not really an option to hold your child back from certain apps if every single person in their grade, in their class, is going to be using these platforms because it's how they're building friendships and relationships. And there's a real social trade-off there if you're going to withhold the app that each parent needs to confront making this often a lose-lose for for parents yeah and i think it's also which social medias you put them on you know like TikTok. i'm not on it but it, it seems to be one of these things that people are goofy and dance and this and that and it looks innocent enough although everything can have its cynicism behind it um but if you know if your kids want to go on you know instagram i mean that's what it is insta instant gratification there is no long-term building of anything. For me, um, I use Facebook and, and LinkedIn because you can actually have conversations there. And it's like with your kid, which one do you allow them to go on first? And, and make sure you know what that social media is representing and how to navigate it because we are the custodians of our children. And I know there's a great deal of pressure on, on parents today, a lot more than, than there was back in the day. Um, with with the cyber, with everything online. Now we've got everything that you have to buy everything through your phone, right? So, you know, now kids have the phone, they have the bank account on that, they lose their phone, they're, you know, it just, ah, the weight of this responsibility is a lot. So the more help that parents can get in navigating this is like, I just don't know what to do. Well, you've got a program there, step one, two, three, and four. When you empower the parents, they can empower the kids to make better decisions, right? Instead of the kids being overloaded with every social media out there, empower the kids. You can go on this one. This is how you're going to use it. I will be monitoring. And, you know, that way 
the kids respect the fact that mum and dad are looking out for them. Although at the time it's like, mum and dad, you're trying to take my freedom away from me. We've all been through that, right? Um, but it's, we need that today. It's sad we need it. It's sad we need it, but this isn't going away. It's going to be there until Armageddon and all the power. This is something I, I never understand in all the Armageddon movies. All the power goes out in the world and everybody's just living off the land. If they're all that bright, why can't they rebuild it and put the lights back on and put the energy back on? I never understand that. <laughs> you, know, like, you did it once before. Why can't you do it again? So anyway, but that's I think that's also another thing that on social media has to be re responsible for is the content of how much joy and possibility you go out there and entice with your kid and less the doom and gloom and the conspiracy theories because that can make a kid look at well what is there a future for me if this is the world so you know it's not just your younger kids it's right up to your older kids too it's teach them well have conversations with them conversations about the social media did you meet someone today who are they what do they know what did you converse about have a conversation with your kid how many parents don't do that so how's jordan how's jordan doing now um ed he's different you know it's it's a hard you know he's going to be 19 this year yeah he's going to be 19 this year um it changed his direction mm -hmm. you know it was a fork in the road an unexpected fork in the road that will he ever get back to the path he was on originally i don't know might not ever this might be a new fork and we just have to deal with it he's uh it's one day at a time right now just with his personality everything that's changed so you know i have heard stories like jordan's where the child didn't survive so mm -hmm. i feel i'm blessed yeah. that i get to hug him and hear i love you dad and all those things and celebrate fathers and birthdays and i'm blessed yeah i'm blessed someone took away the future that he he had for himself but he can define the future he wants for himself now yes and right. I, i've told him not to let this incident define him yes you know, this cannot be his defining moment it, it will not be there's always a catalyst <laughs> because of what happened to him which is awful but without that happening to him would mark be doing what he's doing and would you be saving lives of other children correct and other people out there um i remember seeing a video which still haunts me today of a young woman and she's throwing something in the water and someone's filming her and i realized she's throwing in puppies oh. and i looked at that and she was about 15 and i thought how can you do that and film it where is there a heart in there you can't have any you know that heart had to be so closed off to do that and it's and it's this is what i'm finding a lot today with our youth they're so jaded they're too scared to open up their heart they're too scared of the judgment and the ridicule and the shame and the blame that social media brings about that they're finding it really really hard to embrace their own self-discovery and be themselves and this has to change we have to change that algorithm altogether and uh, it does come from that education and it does come from that support and it does come from government and organizations that are going to stay on top of this because it's not every two years that you're going to upgrade <laughs> it's every two minutes isn't it mark yep <laughs> <laughs> where do you see it going where would you like to see it going well I, in terms of our organization i mean we are proud of how how quickly we've been able to have a massive impact and grow programmatically we starting this coming school year we will be in uh, up to 75 percent of school districts across the country so our Excellent. educational content is is going to be getting out to thousands and thousands of, of students and, and parents as well and so that's that's fantastic we have been able to pass several serious pieces of legislation we're working on some important initiatives right now uh, and we're making sure one of those initiatives actually is connected to our work in technology development so we're working on an initiative to make sure that all social media platforms give parents access to 
uh, third party social uh, safety software because some platforms like Snap and like TikTok block that access right now. And that, that's decreasing the amount of safety that we could have. Mm. So uh, again, all of this working together, the, the big goal, the big vision is to make social media safe for everyone. And we, we do truly sincerely believe that we can get there, that we can eliminate yes. uh, most, if not all of these dangers that we're seeing on social media, it is possible. Yeah. And so that's that's what we're working towards every day. Now, of course, some people would say, well, that is, you know, repression, freedom of speech and this and that. No, your freedom of speech is not warranted anywhere on any public surface. Um, if it is one that's in hate rhetoric, uh, you know, we're not I don't think there's freedom of violence. Sorry, I don't agree with that at all. And if we have to monitor and restrain and I don't understand why every social media platform that comes up shouldn't adhere to the rules and the regulations of social media and the monetization of, of bullying and of hate speech and, and everything like that, because, you know, that that should be part of their licensing that that has to be accountable for. So I hope that you get all social medias under that platform. 75% is a great deal in such a short period of time. I mean, look at gun reform. It's no further forward. And, and it doesn't matter how many people a year die. You know, the love affair with guns is just overwhelming. But the fact that you've got so much done in such a short period of time, and this education is in 75% of the schools and available to all parents, is kudos to both of you uh, for doing it because it's needed. It's needed. We can't say no to the social media, but what we can say, there are some conditions and you need to, you need to learn the rules and the regulations of it and the awareness if they're feeling uncomfortable mom and dad i'm feeling uncomfortable this person asked me this question right and we can intervene as parents so kudos to you for doing that and parents want the, the children to have the freedom of being expression they're on their phones they know their kids are going to be on their phones but that safety of knowing they've taught them that safety and that those safe measures are in place is that peace of mind where kids can socially interact, but they mustn't forget how to actually physically social interact because that is, that as I said, is a little pandemic of its own right now, a crisis of its own where kids are not knowing how to speak with one another. What is the organization? Um, how do people get hold of you? How do they get hold of the programs? Sure, so it's Organization for Social Media Safety. You can find us on the web at ofsms.org. That's of course short for Organization for Social Media Safety. So ofsms.org. Uh, on there you can, like I mentioned, you could find our uh, free parent course, the Buckling the Social Media Seatbelt course, where we give a comprehensive education to all the all the tips and what to do to keep your child safe. And then you can also find our school based services. So how you can get our school to come teach your students, uh, do a parent workshop. And we also do consultations with schools to around their social media safety policies as well. So that's all available on the website. And you can find our email there and our, our phone number as well. What age should a child start on social media? So we, we get that question, I would say almost, almost every day, it would be so much easier for us if we had a straight answer. The like problem the driving is, license and the drinking thing, this is the age, right? Exactly. Social media, that's the age. <laughs> yeah. The problem is that every social media app is different. Every community is different. Every child's developmental level is different. So we can't give an age. That's, I mean, there, there's a lot of your listeners may have heard of wait till eight, uh, the initiative to get everyone to wait till eighth grade for social media. I, we think the reason that it really didn't catch on or succeed is because of, of the full range of apps out there that the kids are using from YouTube to Fortnite and Roblox, TikTok. Kids are on it second, third, fourth grade. So there's, there's a range of apps. Uh, there and and each parent's going to have to confront that question we would recommend you know the education when your child wants a new app is not difficult you you go into google and and just google in TikTok safety and you can get plenty of information in terms of of what's on various apps and you can look at our website 
as well and, and make an informed decision. Obviously, we would like to see later as opposed mm -hmm. to sooner. Uh, for, for most of these apps, kids are on platforms like Snap far, far too early. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that we do when we talked about this, this problem, it's, it's this race to the bottom problem, essentially, with social media platforms. So one kid in the sixth grade gets on Snap or the fifth grade gets on Snap, and pretty soon we see uh, the rest of the kids in the grade because of this social trade-off. Yeah. One of the things that we do when we do these school consultations is we set up community guidelines for the parents that are that are voluntary in, in almost every circumstance, where we set up age of entry onto the various specific platforms. So everyone's on the same page and we're, we're kind of eliminating this trade-off that, that parents are facing. So that's one of our most effective interventions there. Unfortunately, that requires you know, the school to get involved and do it and parents can't do that individually. Right. Hey, parents can put the pressure on the schools. Yes. Right? Well, yeah. they, they can contribute individually, yes, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I was a volunteer at the school. We can have volunteer parents up there, right? Helping with the program. There's there's always a solution, folks. You're never saying we can't. There is always, we can, it's just how, right? That's the important thing. Be proactive. And I know many parents are, are working and it's like, it's very hard for them, but you know what? The, just form a community of other parents, share the responsibility and be there for each other. It takes a village to raise your kids when we need to get back to the village, most certainly. And I think also that we really need to hold in check the permission that seems to have gone out there in the last few years to hate, to condemn, to belittle, um, to um, tear someone apart for their own gain. And, you know, it, once January of this year came about, there was a big sigh of relief because it was back to boring politics instead of the hate rhetoric. And we do have to hold our, our leaders accountable. And that means parents, you're accountable too. You're setting the example for your children. Brothers and sisters, you've got younger brothers and sisters there. You know, mind what you say, mind what you do. They look up to you. So, I mean, if everybody could step into their accountability, you know, then we would see less of this. Is it going away? Not until humanity rises up and becomes better people, uh, which is all up to each and every one of us. Ed, thank you for, you know, taking that tragedy and, and putting it into something productive, making a difference. As I said, Jordan's you know what's happened to Jordan and his life will be different but it will still be meaningful yeah. and and the what it's propelled here and how many other children it's helped and saved and the system that had to be put into place so you know so many parents would just be angry I don't know what happened to the kid who did it did he get caught yeah he he's a my you know, he was a minor so we can't really discuss the outcome right. of anything that happened but yeah well i hope there was accountability there because if not then they just think they can do it again and uh, every, we have to be responsible for our actions every single one of us as human beings and we've got flaws we're flawsome we're going to say and do things in the moment that we wish we hadn't done or wish we had known better but the more we support each other in you know in just let's just step up into kindness Let's step up into kindness and be kind to one another. It doesn't mean you have to be mushy and syrupy. Just be bloody kind, folks, and stop bashing each other. Because pulling somebody else down to put yourself up is a sign of weakness. Exactly. It is not a sign of strength. So thank you so much, guys. This is very impactful. I know it's going to go out and hit a lot of people that are needing to know this. And I want to see you up to 100 in, the, in America. And I want to see this program go around the world. Um, it's needed in every school system. But I think it's needed in every parent's house. Uh, because we, this, is, this social media platform is, is all consuming and changing every moment. How do we know how to navigate it? So by giving us the tools and the skills how to do it, it's taking one burden off our shoulders and it's also helping us look at our children and know what to look out for. So it's a great gift that you're giving back to parents. Thank you so much. Thanks very much. And once that. again, the site is OFSMS.org. 
All right, folks, please reach out to them. They're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Yes, they're on social media themselves, That's using good. the platform properly and responsibly. Let's get this out there. If you know a parent, please send them this show. Um, everybody needs to know about it. Everybody needs to get in that, even if your children are older, it doesn't matter. And, and you, know, you know somebody with younger children and you know some teenager that's going through hell right now because of social media. Step up and help the parents. But do you know about this program? Do you know about this? I'm there for you. The worst thing you can do is turn your cheek the other way. Step up. Let's all be responsible as a community. So thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Thank you, Sarah. Take care, Sarah. Until next time, folks. Bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show. You will hear many, many shows here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. We have new shows for you out every week. Just find them on our podcast or, or what's new. If you feel that you have something to share that makes a difference in the lives of others, or you too feel that you could be a host, please contact me at info at selfdiscoverymedia.com and we will be glad to speak with you. Have a wonderful day.